Hi everybody, it's Joey Remini here from seekingbalance.com.au. I'm a vestibular audiologist and I specialize in neuroplasticity and teaching people with persistent vertigo or persistent tinnitus how to heal within themselves one neuron at a time with special skills, tools, strategies and exercises that they can use in a daily practice. So I've got someone on the call who wants to pick my brain a little bit, and I think I'm going to pick his. So I want to introduce you to Ben Thompson, who's an audiologist from Hawaii, America, and he specializes in tinnitus retraining therapy, and he's gone through some, some great mentoring and some great internships. And so he wanted to share a little bit about what he perceived high-quality tinnitus retraining to be, and we might try and flesh out a little bit who is suited to what kind of therapy? Because the reality is not everybody is suited to self-study and not everybody is into neuroplasticity and not everybody is into everything. So it's really important for you listeners to understand who you are, what's going to work for you and how you can get the most effective and elegant healing process. So hopefully this conversation will be really beneficial. So Ben Thompson from Hawaii, welcome. Thank you, Joey, and hello to all the listeners. So I'm happy to be here having this discussion. And from all of the material you have that I've read and listened to, it seems that it has a broad reach and it's a global impact, helping individuals, giving them some control back over their, over their lives. So I'm here and whatever you have in terms of questions, I'm, I'm ready to get into it. Great. Well, do you want to tell us why you did your audiology studies and you chose to specialize in tinnitus? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So I got into audiology. Explain why, like why you chose that, that field. Yeah. Tinnitus is mainly a counseling process and it's very psychological in nature. So for me, the big draw in our field of hearing science and balance science people who are bothered by their tinnitus. My main interest in this field is because it's very person to person and it uses psychology to have us and the individuals take a step back to reassess about what in our lives do we have control over, what don't we have control over, talking about stress management, about quality of life, and that kind of human to human connection that the appointments gave me and seeing people grow in a very rapid period of time is what interested me the most and has me in it. Great. So you said you're interested to talk a little bit of a little bit about high quality TRT, tinnitus retraining therapy. Do you want to just give us a summary or some essential dot points about what it is and maybe what it is not? Yeah, definitely. So what is tinnitus retraining therapy? It was created about 20 years ago in a scientific model that was progressive at the time, and it's still commonly used in, in many clinics, especially university clinics uh, around the United States, for example. And the appointment for the initial tinnitus retraining therapy, it would be, first of all, we are explaining the hearing system. So let's make an assumption. Someone comes to see me and they have bothersome tinnitus. I do their hearing test. And no matter what the result of their hearing test is, the effect is that they have bothersome tinnitus. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. So this tinnitus retraining therapy, this model can be used. And that starts out with an explanation of the anatomy. Very common question is, what is this ringing? What is this sound? I mm -hmm. simply don't understand it. So that creates this high emotional reaction and I'm looking for answers. So for many of the patients who come in not knowing much about tinnitus, the initial tinnitus retraining model, it looks at the anatomy going from the ear to the hearing organ, up the hearing nerve to the auditory part of the brain, mm -hmm. to the individual neuron clusters that are hyperactive, and walking someone through piece by piece in layman's terms, you can understand that the sensation of tinnitus, whether it's a ringing, a buzzing, et cetera, that it has some place. It has a physical location in the brain. And for many people, even though it seems invisible, that is somewhat explained through this description of the anatomy. Mm. So once you describe what is happening, the, the next step is talking about how that part of the brain, the auditory part of the brain is linked to other areas. And this goes into more of the psychology of we have an emotional brain, we have an instinctual early brain stem, and these are all factors that are allowing an individual to be bothered by their tinnitus. So this, go, this goes into a more individual retraining process of why is John Smith bothered by their tinnitus, but someone else who has the same hearing and the same tinnitus is not bothered by it. So our traditional model goes into the emotional reactions, the limbic system, amygdala response, those fundamentals of stress management. And based on the individual's lifestyle and how they're affected by their tinnitus, that conversation goes a certain way. Mm. Uh, after that kind of psychological counseling has gotten a good start, then we can bring in the hearing component. So tinnitus retraining therapy looks at two separate avenues that are both very important in the model. And one is the psychological understanding of what is going on giving the individual a sense of what control do they have and what control don't they have. And as, as most of us have learned, that's the most important aspect of this. So the other side of this is the auditory brain and the potential hearing loss, or if there's normal hearing, abnormally functioning auditory neurons. Mm -hmm. And this model looks at providing some sound, keeping a sound rich environment, those are, that's a very important term for tinnitus retraining therapy, that when your world is silent, your tinnitus is roaring. When you have a sound rich environment or you're focused on something, then your tinnitus is going from the foreground into more of a background position, it's still there. Mm. So a sound rich environment is aiding the unconscious habituation process to take place, rather subconscious, excuse me, the subconscious habituation process. Having a sound-rich environment stimulates those auditory neurons, which slowly allows us to habituate. As we know, we can't force habituation. So the tinnitus retraining model usually 
has the positive effects on day one when you have the excellent counseling, understanding of the anatomy, what's in your control, what's not in your control. Start to learn to accept what you have and not uh, freak out about it, right? Mm. So the long-term approach, the long-term effects are with the habituation, with the sounds sound like you, yeah, yeah, sounds like you guys use sound devices and sound therapy, whether that be in a hearing aid or another device. Is that is that right? Yeah, thank you. So the sound-rich environment can be from the most basic, affordable fan in your home, music player, up to uh, an ear-level device that can be playing soothing ocean sounds, or if you have a hearing loss, often a hearing aid, hearing devices that provide amplification of your environment, and potentially some of those calming ocean sounds, which are sometimes called maskers, those can be used. Yeah. So just to give a little recap, because there's there's a lot of different people in the world and there's a lot of different strategies and tools and devices. And I guess ideally each person is able to find the exact support they need for them. So mm-hmm. for some people, when we lose hearing, if there is a hearing loss, which is quite natural and normal as we go through life, but if someone notices they have a change to the hearing organ or the hearing nerves and suddenly it can be like they're hearing this abnormal bass activity along the ear and the neural pathways from the ear and through the brainstem and midbrain up to the auditory cortex. And so because they're missing information, it's like an incomplete jigsaw puzzle. Sometimes by getting a hearing aid and replacing that lost sound with the amplification, the perceived tinnitus can kind of dissolve and disappear again. And it's a very simple, elegant fix. So for you guys out there listening with the hearing loss, I would recommend that you get a hearing test and consider a hearing aid evaluation because think of it as just having a missing pieces in the jigsaw puzzle, your, your hearing jigsaw puzzle, and mm-hmm. seeing an audiologist, learning about your hearing and understanding if a hearing aid might be helpful can be quite a linear and simple solution for you guys. There's going to be other people out there who have pretty fine hearing, no hearing loss, or very subtle changes to their hearing, and they don't need a hearing aid. And it could be that having some kind of distraction sound, whether it be your favorite music coming through your iPhone or, you know, a fish tank bubbling or a fan, sometimes that's enough to just put you back into this state of normal and ease and background. So again, a really elegant solution that you can try at home if that works for you. And then for people with absolutely normal hearing but bothersome tinnitus, that's where some new dilemmas come up because there's not a peripheral problem And that's where it's important that we stop and look at, okay, what's the body asking for? If we take the assumption that the body is innately intelligent and designed to create sensations and sounds and moods and emotions that are absolutely perfect for the situation, what's the wisdom in the tinnitus and how can I listen to what my body is asking for and give it what it needs? Some people need to dive right into the spiritual stuff and look at their beliefs and do I trust myself? Do I back myself? Do I love myself? Or am I externally looking for validation and support, which leads to ongoing dilemmas? For some people, it's emotional and they need, they, they're ready to learn about the amygdala, the limbic system, and some of that more deeper emotional education about how to regulate emotions, about how to self-soothe, and about how to have the capacity to feel good again, to experience joy, to follow desire. And there are other people who get caught in the mental rat trap of life. And so there's 
they're living with this constant barrage of what if this and what if that and it's very busy mind space so at that mental level they're going to need support with understanding persistent doubts persistent worries self-sabotaging thoughts ideas behaviors and any patterns that are impacting on that mental level and i believe that every single person with tinnitus needs to get back in their body the physical because people with tinnitus are really kind of distracted and consumed by the head space now, why is it there and what does it mean and will it go away and can I fix this and why can't the doctor get rid of it and why isn't there a magic pill? All of those are thoughts. The sound itself is even a neuronal compo component firing within your auditory cortex. So it's really genuinely a physical process in your head. If you learn how to shift that physical awareness down below your head, and I always say start at your feet, like start by connecting back into your feet, get as far away from the head as you can. That's also essential to reconnecting the body and the mind in a really safe way and in an emotionally neutral way or with curiosity and awe. So physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, they're going to be different support strategies, tricks, tools, and tips that each person's going to need. And it sounds like the, the TRT model is a really beautiful way of simply looking at the anatomy the hearing and any straightforward solutions that could offer quite instant results. So do you want to keep talking about what happens? Well, first of all, can you just report on some people who get some really nice quick results and they're kind of happy and off they go? And then maybe contrast that to people who are a bit more complex and mm -hmm. it's an ongoing process. Yeah. Thank you. So oftentimes, those patients who come in for the appointment, the initial TRT, tinnitus retraining therapy appointment, mm -hmm. they're so thankful to be explained the anatomy and the psychological response that they have because no one else has taken the time to do it. Mm. So the educational component seems silly. How could edu educational component impact what I'm experiencing and my ailment, but learning that the tinnitus likely won't kill you. It likely does not represent some kind of tumor or growth in the body. And it is related to your hearing and not much else. That component brings stress levels down significantly. Mm. So that's the big improvement that we would see on day one. And as you mentioned, during the day, if you have bothersome tinnitus and you have a hearing loss, wearing amplification of the exact pitches, those soft sounds you can't hear, that has an immediate effect on the tinnitus. And anyone who has bothersome tinnitus who wears hearing aids, you know, nine out of 10 of them are reporting benefit while they're wearing hearing aids. Yeah, so those, I, are the, those are the I, quick fixes, yeah. I, I do think it's important to mention there are actually a lot of people out there who don't get that response from hearing aids. So just mm -hmm. from a realistic counselling point of view, some people use hearing aids and find that it's a magical experience for them and they're like, oh, I can hear everything and off they go and it's all, yeah. it's all kind of rainbows and unicorns. Other people are like, they're uncomfortable, they're sweaty, I don't like it, I can still hear my tinnitus and they're very much rejecting it. So... Yeah. Again, it's different strokes for different folks, as they say. 
but it's it, it i always encourage people to be open to trial things and most audiologists will give you an opportunity to trial out hearing aids so that you're not locked in but yeah. it is a it is a conversation worth having if you have hearing loss yeah that's a good point that there is no one size fits all for this kind of improvement and then you mentioned the the longer term effects and longer term improvements those kind of success stories so motivation on the patient side and consistency are how habituation takes place because there's some there's some range of how your habituation takes place you have some control over that if you we have some exercises at home of reanalyzing the fundamentals that are discussed at the appointment and reviewing that kind of homework or those notes mm. on a weekly or a monthly basis and then if you're using sound therapy consistently using that and committing to that that's going to increase the 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 rate of habituation and it still takes significant time and I, the goal is not to remove the sound of tinnitus the goal is to control the reaction to it mm. I guess the way, so you guys do it subconsciously where you're putting in an external device that's creating an environment where subconsciously there could be habituation. Mm -hmm. uh, when I work with clients through the Rocksteady process, I yes. actually encourage them to use sound devices if they need it and if it feels good. But aside from that, it's like remove them because mm -hmm. the minute we put something on our ear, it's re-reminding our brain about this thing we don't like. Yeah. So I take the approach of conscious neuroplasticity, not subconscious habituation, mm -hmm. conscious habituation, where people are learning how to reframe and reset their relationship to their body and the conversations mm -hmm. they're having with the sounds their body's making. But more importantly, to allow it to be there and as they mm -hmm. reconnect back and align with their joy, so the mind, body, heart, spirit, soul, the whole being is able to have a whole conversation where everything is welcome and it's not about avoiding it, denying it, suppressing it, ignoring it, not thinking about it. It's about actually saying, Hey, welcome. I see you here. What do you bring into the party? And as we learn to align with our joy, so rather than be symptom focused and trying to get rid of symptoms and trying to learn about the ear and being very ear centric, it's about yeah. going, the ear is one tiny, tiny, tiny part of me and a bit of education is great, but, weeks and weeks and weeks on end of focusing on the ears is just out of proportion. Like look at the whole body. So mm -hmm. I try and get people out of their tinnitus and out of their head and into their joy. And that might be taking up a new musical instrument or hiking again or getting a new job or creating friends, reading books. So whatever it is they feel they need for their wholeness mm -hmm. as they are able to say yes to more and more of those things and break old patterns of avoidance that's when I find the symptoms really dissolve and disappear mm. and, they're no, and they're no longer inhibited and saying, oh, well, I can't drive my car because I've got tinnitus or I can't go to work or I can't do this, I can't do that. It becomes an I can language and I yeah. can take it with me. But you take it with you with a no big deal approach, not a distraction or ignoring approach. Yeah, um, I like that. I like that. It's taking ownership and stepping into the driver's seat instead of the passenger seat. One of yeah. the, the best questions that I observed from a great mentor of mine, which we have on our questionnaires that we would give a patient is, how would your life be different if you didn't have tinnitus? 
-hmm. And in that one question, you learn so much about someone's motivation. And oftentimes it's, it's answers like I can go hiking with my friends. I can pick up new hobbies. I can, I can have peace and joy. So I totally see where you're coming from. And I think that's a great approach. Yeah. So the, I think TRT probably supports that external validation piece of having an external therapist give you or educator or authority, give you information about your ear and also mm -hmm. having the external devices and the external testing. I know some people do tinnitus testing and loudness, discomfort and all of these. And I, I think if that works for people and if testing is something it, that is really part of someone's personality, they get a lot out of the test that can be very reassuring and help them sleep at night. Yeah. But I know for most of the people I work with, the, the testing doesn't help them heal and doesn't get them anywhere. And, and it keeps on feeding that external validation goose chase of I need something to explain this to me or to fix me. Whereas I kind of say to people, you've done enough of that. By the time they find me, <laughs> they've been on that goose chase for a long time. Yeah. And now it's time to actually stop and listen to your body. Let your ear teach you about itself. Like listen to the wisdom, become your own expert, become your own mentor, become your own healer rather than needing me to fix you or Ben or anyone learn to take consciously take your power back and be empowered as you choose how you live your life with or without the tinnitus doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, how many people do you see who um, never have their tinnitus again and it disappears? The, the presence of the tinnitus. Yeah. That's rare. That's rare with the, with the Western approach that I've been trained on and that I use. Yeah that's rare. I would say 15% or less. Yeah. I see it quite a bit. Um, a lot of people would just say, Oh my God, I just don't hear it anymore. It's gone. Yeah. But I always validate that by saying the human body is changeable and complex. So, you know, I've had tinnitus before and distressing tinnitus myself and I don't hear it at all. It's completely gone, but there can be moments where I get a little like ying or a little, a little something. So it's, it's not yeah. like I never ever hear my body biology or my body noise, which is mm -hmm. that elimination mindset, but I genuinely have no tinnitus anymore. Yeah. And, and that is quite common for the clients who I've worked with who actually commit to the neuroplasticity conscious, you could call it conscious habituation to that process mm -hmm. because you're actually teaching the brain. This is no big deal. It's not important. It's not relevant. It's not offering me anything. And the brain filters actually silence it out for you. And I think if we're always putting in devices in our ears, we're actually reinforcing the importance of it. And we're never allowing those brain filters to switch. Mm. Yeah. And I, I wonder on that thought, those patients who do well with tinnitus retraining therapy, because for, and I'm, I'm representing that camp here in this conversation. So well, you can speak for, speak for yourself too, just about how you professionally view it. Cause it's never nice to speak on behalf of a, you know, a cohort. So you can speak <laughs> from yourself and from your training. Yeah. yeah thank you. Um, I just wanted to point that the reason this was so successful in the Western medical world is because it was evidence-based and researched to do so. And at the time it was progressive. Now, 
we're seeing more of Eastern philosophy into our Western world and how mindfulness, for example, is helping treat chronic pain and chronic stress. Mm. So what my own approach to my tinnitus treatment, tinnitus care is, I call it tinnitus management, is going through the explanation of a hearing test, going through the anatomy, Mm. and then getting to the point where we we discuss how to control your reaction Mm. and the processes of habituation, as well as the emotional being, the individual, and analyzing what is this stimulus, what really is this stimulus, what control do you have over it, and embodying and embracing that control and seeing how my filters to the world are what led me to this very place. And they can be the very thing that bring me back to the joy and the peace. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's a really interesting piece. And I think uh, the tinnitus retraining therapy, I believe comes from Jastabroff and Jastabroff. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. And they have done wonderful research um, many decades ago and it is it's it's been a huge part of my training and my exposure so I really support everything that they've done and I think you're quite right now some of the eastern philosophies are coming in and so my program offers the combination the holistic a little bit of western a little bit of east and the results are amazing and someone said to me Joey, why, if I turn off, we call it the false alarm. So it's that false error signal that's like, danger, danger, lion chasing me, lion chasing me. And that often makes our symptoms a little higher, a little louder. And someone says, I don't have that false alarm anymore. Like I've habituated, I've self-soothed, I've calmed down. If I hear it now, I don't care, but why is it still there? Mm -hmm. And that's where I say, you've only done one part of the process. Okay, one part of the process is learning what it is and not being afraid of it anymore. And allowing it to be there in a no big deal approach the second piece so that you can filter it out and reset it is to actually cultivate the desired feelings you want so those desired feeling neural networks actually override it and take over and then the tinnitus falls into the background Mm. so disarming the alarm and managing tinnitus is only half of the process to really reset it change the neural fibers and step into a deeper alignment that's a whole nother process and that goes way beyond the tinnitus. Yeah. And so in, in my first session with people, I'll be like, it's not about your tinnitus, it's about you. Let's go deeper. Because the more time we spend on the tinnitus, the more we're, we're bringing it up the priority list in the brainstem and allowing the cycle to keep feeding itself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what have been your major influences from Eastern philosophy into your practice here? Definitely my yoga background. As I was saying to you earlier before we started the call, I was just incredibly lucky. Well, if I backtrack a bit, I was born very anxious. I'm naturally like super anxious. I was that kid who like had attachment anxiety issues with my mom and asthma and, you know, I'd I'd get flustered. So consequently, I was very calculated, very cautious. And by the time I was 15, I found yoga a really important part of my life. I really liked the downtime and the quietness. And it was teaching me to trust my body and have confidence in myself. Mm -hmm. So I was very young, very committed and very disciplined. And so after 10 years of practice, when I was in my mid twenties, I applied to do a yoga training, which is a very 
tedious and difficult training um, as far as yoga goes. And to even apply to that, you needed years of experience. So I started that and I did three years, which was about five hours a day for three years. And that really gave me a very deep understanding of how to work with the body and how to change the body. So that was an incredible immersion and intense learning of neuroplasticity coming from that Eastern perspective of allowing, surrendering and having a daily practice. You mm -hmm. cannot learn this stuff in a textbook or online and all of my online programs teach people how to have a daily practice in their body that they design themselves mm. so the eight limbs of yoga for those of you who don't know the first two are the yamas and niyamas which are kind of like ethic morals and uh, principles to live by like cleanliness and not being violent towards yourself or others having an active practice in contentment which i love like i can't believe the yogis four thousand years ago were already talking about actively practicing contentment because you're not born content. You actually cultivate contentment. So they were teaching about cultivating these feelings and desires as a practice. So Svajaya is another one of the yamas and niyamas and Svajaya means self-study. So learning how to study and observe within yourself, which is a very internally validating process that is at the heart of yoga and it's essential for neuroplasticity. And then the next, the third limb is asana, which is postures, which is what you see on magazines and in the kind of trendy part of the yoga world. Now, the fourth limb is pranayama, which is breathing exercises. The fifth limb is pratyahara, which is withdrawing of the senses. And in that's really what I specialize in because that's not allowing stimulus to kind of irritate us it's like not getting addicted to sex drugs and rock and roll it's actually having a sense of control over our inner world and sensory perception is smell sight touch balance hearing taste etc so learning how to become the master of your sensory world is prachahara it's the fifth limb mm. and then six is concentration which again is incredibly important for neuroplasticity and i teach my clients how to in how to work on that because you need that to have effective neuroplasticity you can't just dabble and try things a little bit you've got to really 100% commit and know why you're doing that then the seventh limb is meditation from a yoga point of view which means not sitting on a bolster and visualizing a waterfall meditation from a yoga point of view is more dissolving your sense of self like you no longer identify as man or woman or young or old or educated or not educated you actually become the witness to everything and you dissociate or you don't dissociate you um, you're present in yourself, but you kind of melt into oneness, if that makes sense. And then sh the, the final limb is about reaching bliss, self-realization. And I think really ultimately connecting in the present moment to pure oneness and purpose. So the study of yoga is incredibly vast and complex. And I would openly say I'm still a beginner. Mm -hmm. And they say for the first 35 years of your yoga practice, you're a beginner. And I agree. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so that's been the biggest influence for me, for sure. And yoga is also the, the foundation of all mindfulness of a, you know, a lot of Buddhist practices have, have a, an underlying kind of common element with aspects of yoga as well. So it really is an ancient tradition that is, is quite remarkable. So what do you have to say to the kind of person who doesn't understand and has never heard any of that, mm. but is open to that 
and has bothersome tinnitus, when that kind of person approaches you, yeah. how do you communicate with them your approach? That's a good question. I, I, I get this a lot and I basically say to people, do what you want. Like, I'm not here to convince you or tell you what to do. It's your body. Choose to use it however you want to use it. If people are interested in healing, I say go to my website and check it out. If they're not interested, I just kind of say, hey, nice to meet you. Cool. What hobbies do you have? Like, I just chat to people as human beings. It's not my place to tell them how to treat their body. You definitely don't have to meditate in a cave or become a yoga teacher. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of really diluted forms of yoga out there. Some people get training in 200 hours or 500 hours. Um, and so that's, that's a very short amount of training. But, yeah, I would just say trust the body, trust what your body's telling you and find ways to decode the message, demystify the wisdom in your body. Doesn't matter what route you take. So I, I tried to create a program that was relevant for mainstream people cross-culturally and that's what we're seeing. So the after finishing the six modules of Rocksteady, we're seeing... Um, I, I think it's about a 73% reduction in symptoms, which is pretty huge. That's on average. And what else? I have to go to my stats, but the, the, there's a statistically significant improvement in emotional capacity, in functional capacity in daily life. So the capacity to go and do things and also in positional situations, because you will have noticed dizziness and tinnitus can change depending on what position your head's in. And so they're getting statistically significant improvements in all aspects of life. Yeah, that's, that's so powerful. The top down from the brain using the power of the mind to affect everything that it controls. Yeah, yeah. And they're all working as a team because like, you can't talk yourself out of it, right? And if we could, we would. We'd just be like, hey, don't worry about, like, you know, body, don't worry about that tinnitus, just stop creating it. Like, you know, we try and just say it like it is. But actually, it's not all about the brain communicating to the body. It's equally the body communicating to the brain. Mm. They're both infinitely intelligent and they're both connected. And, and this physical aspect is linked into our emotions, is linked into our mind and our thoughts and ideas, is linked into our spirituality and our beliefs. You can't just pull them apart and treat one little piece of it. And, you know, I meet people who change their diet or something and I'm like, it's unlikely going to be a diet fix. That's the answer, right? Mm -hmm. The only diet I prescribe people is to enjoy your food. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like really just taking this approach of being holistic and in alignment with joy and love and creating an actual harmony in our inner world so that whatever it is we're hearing, if we're hearing anything, it has this beautiful, loving, expansive feeling instead of resistance and conflict and struggle and fighting and irritation. And I hate this and get rid of it. We're creating a harmony. We're creating a nice place that we like living in. That's when people get really good results because they actually enjoy themselves. They enjoy being on their own and they enjoy being in quiet situations. They're no longer avoiding it or afraid of it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I think you are part of this, this new team of people in the West who are bringing Eastern philosophy to the West and to the world to mm -hmm. some degree. So yeah. I will definitely keep your program in mind for some of my patients 
who traditionally I have referred to a psychologist to perform mindfulness or cognitive behavioral therapy. Now I can consider Joey's program. Yeah. And you know, there's a, there's a place for all of that too. I think Mm -hmm. unfortunately people kind of have to try and see what works out because if anyone does need psychological therapy or if they're suicidal, you know, you can't skip that. You've got to go and get that support and see the psychologist and, and, and use their skillfulness so that they can support you. So that's the whole multidisciplinary effect and Mm. creating a supportive team around us so that we can stay motivated and believe in ourselves is really important. And I think the, the best benefit of Rocksteady is it gives people their power back so that they can click play and they can shoot, engage with the process any time of day. Even if they wake up in the middle of the night, they can just use their program and, and, and have that support immediately available. And that mm-hmm. means it gives them an opportunity to learn how to wean off or no longer rely on external therapists or external support people that, you know, got to get in the car and drive to, and it also becomes really expensive if it's over a period of time. Mm-hmm. So I think having a little bit of everything is often the middle road rather than being just one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for really elegantly describing TRT. <laughs> My pleasure. Um, yeah, I think it's really important. And I think for those of you out there who haven't experienced that initial introduction and being explained about the ears, or had a hearing test, definitely book into an audiologist. And it's probably not a bad idea to ask, do you have TRT training? So if you're going specifically for tinnitus, you might want to find a clinic local to you that can offer you that kind of comprehensive support that Ben was talking about. Thank you. And I'll try to link some of my information wherever this video is posted. So I'm living in Hawaii and you're based in Australia, yes? Yeah, just a small ocean between us. A small, large Pacific Ocean between us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Hopefully we'll be in touch in the near future. Great, Ben. All the best. I'm Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. Visit my website if you have any questions about persistent dizziness, vertigo, or tinnitus. There are loads of resources and support program to help you get your answers to your questions, but most importantly, to really become your own answer. Because I firmly believe that you are the person you have been looking for. And my job is to help you see that. So I'm Joey Remini and bye for now.